What's going on, guys? You are listening to the Lens Culture Photography Podcast, hosted by myself, Jonathan Pajak. And I just want to let you guys know the purpose of this podcast is to help all of you guys, photographers, videographers in this awesome industry, grow your business. That is the main purpose here. If you want to access anything I reference in this episode, be sure to head down to the show notes of the episode for additional information. Enough talking. Let's get right into it. What's going on, guys? It's Jonathan back at it again on the Lens Culture Photography Podcast. I am so pumped for today's episode. I have a good friend of mine. His name is David. I've worked with him a bunch of times. Um, I told you guys I was going to have more guests on the podcast this year, and I'm super excited to like hop into this topic of pricing with David, kind of two minds going at it, two separate ways of doing pricing going at it. But David, why don't you introduce yourself, kind of tell the podcast about a little bit about like, your history, like who you are, kind of how we met and whatnot, and we can kind of go from there. All right. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, hey, my, hey, guys, my name is uh, David Zhao, and I'm a photographer, videographer, content creator. Uh, I've been doing this thing for a few years now. I've uh, been shooting you know, photos and videos since I was a kid, ever since I had like a little ca- uh, Canon uh, you know, point and shoot. And I started kind of doing this thing professionally as of, well, I think a junior in college. So it's been about three, four years now. And uh, and lately I've been uh, trying to do more personal projects, things like YouTube videos, but I also still am doing like, you know, headshots, graduation photos, portraitures, and uh, doing uh, weddings. Uh, That's actually how I met Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. I totally forgot to like say your last name and I'm just like, dude, this dude has got the coolest last name in the history (laughs) of last names. I forgot about it. But yeah, it's crazy because like we both kind of started, I think, near the same time like I think I was more senior year of college and then like you were more junior year but like I Mm -hmm. wish I would have found like this early like my passion for like photo and video like earlier because I can't tell you how much time I wasted like watching Netflix in college when I could have been like out shooting getting better and like learning this stuff then as opposed to obviously now Mm -hmm. um but especially when it comes to like today's episode like pricing like there's so many things I think that can influence like our like mindset on like how we should price like all of our stuff and like our services. And it's like, especially when you're young, I think that it like takes over your mindset too. Of, like, I'm not worth this pricing or how is this guy worth this? Right. And like, how can I get to that? You know, and it definitely frustrated me like starting off. So, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions. Was there any like serious, like, like when you first started, was there like any like pricing things that you were like, Oh, I can't do this. Or like, I have to charge this. Like, where did you kind of start when it came to like pricing? Okay, so don't hold this against me, but I like, legitimately had no idea how to price things. So I started like ghosting local professional photographers, like fake inquiring for services. Dude, I, I did know. that too. I did that too. <laughs> I felt so bad afterwards. Yeah. It's all like, man, these people think like they have leads coming in. Like, you know, they're, 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 it's their job. And I'm just out here like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I totally want to do like a headshot session. How much would that cost? Yeah. And I was blown away by how much professional photographers charge but at the same time it makes sense when you have so much overhead when you have like a business to mm-hmm. run you have an office to pay for potentially mm-hmm. employees to employ um you know they have like these huge numbers so i, I was like i can't charge that because when i did try early on i was trying to throw some numbers out there and uh i just didn't i didn't land any clients i think everybody was just kind of like uh he doesn't even seem confident about how much he's charging for his work yeah so why should i be paying this and yeah. early on you know it's it's how it always happens. I think in every market, um, especially in like uh, universities, because there's so many uh, college students in like you know art majors and stuff like that. And they find a camera and they're like, oh, I can make some money with this. And everybody mm-hmm. lowballs. I started off charging. Oh like, yeah, it was like fifty bucks for like a 
three hour shoot. I actually, I remember I charged one of my friends a hundred dollars to shoot a full dance coverage. You know, it was like this, like, um, it was a full dance performance. We shot, I think 12 run throughs of it on a beach, like 20 miles away from where I lived. And we spent probably four hours shooting it. And then I went home and edited it for three hours. We had it back and forth, a bunch of revisions. And at Jeez. the end of the day, yeah, at the end of the day, the project took like what, 12 plus hours and I got paid. Yeah, next thing you know, bucks. you're making like minimum wage. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, even lower. Yeah, no, I was just yeah. trying to get my effective hourly rate down to basically nothing at that point. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, you know, you're obviously, you know, and you mentioned lowballing and like, first off, I, I kind of did the same thing. Like, especially when it came to like us being on the college side, like, obviously we're in all of like the groups online and you could see people, sometimes people disclose how much they charge for mm -hmm. like sessions. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people don't. And then like, you can kind of see, okay, these people are doing X amount of gigs mm -hmm. and then they're also charging this. So like maybe I'm only doing this much, so I can only be charging this much. But, mm -hmm. and that's even kind of like, in my opinion, like almost like a, like a negative mindset. I think that, you know, if you believe in your work, then you can kind of like justify a pricing that Absolutely. obviously makes sense. Absolutely. Um, you know, but it's like, there's the common, I think people are always, you know, complaining, especially in the wedding side where people are like, stop undercutting, stop undercutting. It's like right. ruining the market, which is true in a way, but it's like everybody's that, that, you know, that industry right. in the industry first at some point too, you know? So it's like, right. it, it varies. I mean, I can't tell you how many Craigslist weddings I did for <laughs> 200 bucks that were like horrible right. and I had never right. let see the light of day now, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it's just kind of like how it starts. So like, how are you like, currently pricing like, like as far as like headshots, like portrait mm -hmm. session type things, mm -hmm. do you do that more on like an hourly or like more so on like a project basis? Right. I, I think just about everything I try to do it on a project basis, but if I do enough volume of the same type of work repeatedly, mm -hmm. like for example, let's say the graduation photos, you know, that's a very seasonal thing. I know exactly what I'm offering. It's very streamlined. It's very mm -hmm. little thought that goes into it in terms of like, oh, I need a plan. I, want, I don't want to mess it up because at the end of the yeah. day, deliver one thing, you know, there's five locations, there's thir a minimum of, you know, 30 photos to deliver. And uh, you, you've already got the poses and everything down. And, and with mm -hmm. those things, I try to put together packages just because it makes the most sense for me because I know, um, you know, I'm delivering mm -hmm. a specific product for a specific uh, type of person. Yeah. So you know, it's a, almost like a commodity. But then on the flip yeah. side, also charge on a, on a like a project by project basis when it's um, more unique when it's not something I can fit into like a generic product I like mm -hmm. to charge it by a project basis and that's going to come down into breaking out what are my hourly what do I believe my current hourly rate is worth uh, then mm -hmm. I start factoring in things like you know travel costs uh, additional time in editing additional pre-planning time depending on the scope of what they're looking to do like if it's something very narrative based. Like, let's just say, like, for example, a music video can be very simple where you just shoot, you know, coverage angles of somebody performing a song and you just slap that together and edit. That's very yeah. easy, but it can also be as complicated as, yo, we, let's rent a, a crane so that way we can mm -hmm. get one of the actors, you know, like in the air or something that that's going to require yeah, a lot the of the pre production's a lot right, higher. Exactly. So you got to break you know, out those hours. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think there's a lot of like industry standard things that like, mm -hmm it makes sense to do like packages. Like, you know, for me, besides weddings, I also do like a lot of real estate and for photo and video. So I have packages where it's like, Hey, you know, the smallest being like, everybody obviously always wants drones. So it's like, I have a package that's just aerial shots. So, you know, sometimes I'll get that if like the inside of the house isn't really that attractive and the realtor's like, but the outside is like beautiful. And like, mm -hmm. we just want a bunch of aerials. You know, I have packages that are including photo and video with, without like any effects as far as like, you know, like 3D tracking of titles on like the grass and stuff like that. 
And then, you know, obviously packages make sense in wedding photography too, but mm-hmm. also it can bottleneck your, your opportunity of making a little bit more money. Um, you know, recently I've been, you know, helping my sister kind of plan her wedding and I've been like sitting in on her phone calls with other photographers, not necessarily because I'm trying to undercut them just because I'm mm-hmm. curious of like other ways, you right. know, other ways Definitely. that people are Definitely. doing pricing. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've always done like right now for my photography for weddings, I do packages where, mm-hmm. you know, she was getting on phone calls and like, I think like two out of like six of them were doing like X hours, like hourly rates, but it was like a minimum of X hours. So in essence, Interesting. they're doing hourly, but they're also kind mm-hmm. of forcing you to, to make a certain amount of a purchase, you know? So it's very interesting. Right. How everybody does stuff differently, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but definitely people that, you know, I think get frustrated when it's like this person charging this much money and then that now they're undercutting all of us. So it's like they're ruining the market, but it gets frustrating. But like, again, everybody starts somewhere. And I think that standing out in certain ways is like, is how you're going to like justify that pricing. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, what are you, are you doing more of like a package system right now for weddings or like other stuff like that? Or for that, are you doing more of like an hourly type thing? Yeah. So, um, I, I, I think, um, I move more towards doing packages, but also like you said, you know, where that person said, Hey, like, you know, you can have however many hours you want. You need a minimum of X hours to hit a certain, like, you know, it's kind of like when you get a wedding venues, they have like a a food and beverage. Um, That's an interesting way to approach it. I like to offer very simple to understand packages. Like, Hey, this package mm-hmm. A has six hours coverage. Package B and C have eight hour coverage. And, you know, they're going to be this cost because I've already put a lot of thought into what exactly am I delivering for that amount? Not just because on the back end, I need to figure out, hey, is this even going to be, you know, to me, a profitable work or am I really just driving yeah. myself around for way too many hours, too little? But at the same time, it's also offering, you know, a value to the client, which is extremely important by presenting Mm -hmm. them, you know, these packages that they can pick from so they know exactly what they're getting. But adding, you know, a la carte things on top, both from a service standpoint and a product standpoint. So like from the service standpoint, you can add a la carte carte options. Like, you know, you can add additional hours. So maybe you do just want the six hour coverage, but you just want just another hour because there's something at the end or the beginning you want captured. Um, and then also from a product standpoint, you know, at the end of the day, when you're delivering, if they want something more like, you know, if they want um, a longer edit or if they want a physical delivery on a flash drive or on a, mm-hmm. a custom printed, you know, DVD, those are additional options that I, I lay out and show my clients and say, hey, listen, you don't need these if you don't want them, but they're available in case it's something you're looking for. Yeah. For me, and like, you know, this might be like a good segue to like what I was wanting to talk about next, but what I did starting off was like, I've like, you know, I think like a lot of other people maybe too, is like, I literally Googled how, I think of my exact wording was like, how are people pricing their wedding photography slash videography? And like, obviously like a plethora of information came up and, you know, I was thinking like, okay, I'm reading all these ways and I'm like, all this looks so confusing. And my initial thing was like, my, my like pricing from the start was a package system, 100% for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think it definitely works. I think a package system is very crucial for people that are starting off um, when your brand really isn't solidified yet. I think that you, I think personally, I feel like if you move into like a, a la carte or like a hybrid type coverage, like packaging system, it's better for you if your branding is really solidified because you have the opportunity of, you know, creating a really good product for your customer, but also being able to like sell more for the work that you're doing. 
Um, currently, like right now for me, like I guess I'm trying to say is like for video, I do, I have packages now, but the packages are kind of like just the highlight films and mm -hmm. then it, whatever else you want to add on, you just obviously add on after the fact and I have like a separate add-on page. So it's like basically mm -hmm. I have like, you know, I make collections per se. So like I have four mm -hmm. packages, each of them include like a different highlight film length. Obviously pricing goes up higher because obviously if the editing time takes more time, mm -hmm. more pricing, mm -hmm. Um, and then like, okay, well, we also want just our ceremony and we just want, you know, we want just our speeches and stuff like that. So it's like, they can add a la carte. A system that I've been like really interested in like trying to test out is like, like the hybrid system where basically I have a package, like this is the package for this. You get eight hours of coverage, a two to five minute film, two videographers. Let's just say that's it. Mm -hmm. And then you have a huge list of a la carte. So it's like, you really don't have like packages you just have one and so it's like if you want right. those two extra hours or do you want a 10 to 16 minute film or mm -hmm. do you want a 20 mm -hmm. plus minute documentary style like for video i've been really interested i think in june i might want to launch like a pricing structure like that just mm -hmm. to kind of test it out but for me it's always been like i'm very central about knowing like my analytics so like how many of x films am i booking each year how many right. mm -hmm. times am i adding extra hours if i'm mm -hmm. only adding you know, the extra hour, like two times, why is that? Is, am I charging too much for it? You right. know, so I'm very like, very analytical when it comes down to like that stuff. Um, um, not to plug your recent YouTube video, but <laughs> I think a lot of it comes down to like the CRM. Like, you know, I love being able to click on that analytics tab and seeing like, wow, I booked this this many times. It's just right. very, very informational, right. you know? And it's like, mm. I think it also could help too on the hourly side, you know, seeing, okay, how many hours did I do graduation sessions for last right. year or something, mm -hmm. you know, but mm -hmm. You know, how do you like find pricing that like reflects your work specifically? Like, did you, was there ever a point where you're like, okay, like this is how much I'm going to charge because like, I think this is like what reflects my work or did you more so like find pricing based off like, um, kind of what industry and the market in your area is kind of suggesting? Yeah. So I think how I did it was I, it was a mixture of things, right? So uh, first mm -hmm. of all, like how can I stay competitively priced against the competition you know, so mm -hmm. to speak. Um, so that way I'm not accidentally pricing myself so high above the market rate that I, I, no one wants to hire me because like they're, in, in yeah. comparison in their perspective, like, well, this guy's way too expensive. The yeah. other thing I did was I kind of asked myself, how much do I need to be paid, say from an hourly, you know, standpoint mm -hmm. based on imagining I'm going to get X amount of, you know, jobs a month. How much, what does that number, what does that number need to be? in order for me yeah. to make this sustainable. Because one of the things you're going to do to yourself, I mean, early on, you're, you're just like how start most businesses start at a loss. Early on, you're not going to get a lot. And early on, you're not going to make a lot of money. But as you move yeah. forward, you need, to, you need to be able to find a sustainable uh, price point. So one of the things I did was, you know, how much is, is my time worth? What, I, what would I like to do, uh, make? That's one of the reasons why like, I don't ever really expect tips because I, I feel like, and, and this is completely up to the photographer and to the business owner, but I just like pricing it so that way I'm like, hey, listen, like, you, don't, you shouldn't feel obligated you know, to tip me or anything like that because I set my price. I know exactly what I'm charging for here. Um, and if I went above and beyond, that's cool. But yeah. uh, so, so doing that, and then I also look at you know, how much would it cost to, uh, how much is my gear worth? Uh, that's, that's another thing I look at when I, when I go into mm -hmm. pricing, like say my hourly rate is if I'm, if I'm coming to this shoot and I'm bringing in like $5,000 worth of gear and like if you went to go rent that gear online, uh, how much would that be? If somebody was just like, I'll just shoot this myself. I'll just go rent this camera, rent this gimbal, rent yeah. this microphone, lighting, whatever. 
um, you know, I factor that into my cost as well. And I, and I like to reevaluate that over time, like on a yearly basis to see, um, you know, uh, whether or not I should change my pricing, where I should be. And then like what you said, um, how I figure out my pricing as well is, is looking at my uh, analytics and looking mm-hmm. at figuring out how much time do I spend on a job? Like, you know, there, you always go into it saying like, oh, okay, if I charge this much, I make X amount per hour. But then you, you know, maybe you end up spending like twice the amount of time you thought you would in editing, or maybe you spend, you know, twice, you know, all these things like, you know, revisions. And mm-hmm. that's kind of, sorry, I'm going a little bit off. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. You're but good. Um, just, there's a lot that factors into how to price your work. But I think the, the, the easiest thing, the, the easiest way to do it at first is just to figure out how much do you, would you like to be paid for mm-hmm. what you think your job work is worth for your first few jobs. And then from there, feel it out. Do you want more gigs? Maybe you can offer discounts, not necessarily lower your price, but offer discounts for the first few uh, sign up for a shoot and slowly feel your way and then get more comfortable with your pricing. Nothing sells your pricing more than your confidence in why you're charging a client a certain amount. If you walk up and say, I'm charging a thousand dollars for this job because of X, Y, and Z, and that's really what it is. And I'm delivering you value above and beyond that. Nobody is ever going to be like, I don't know about that. You know, if, if they feel like they're getting a ton yeah. of value, more than what it's going to cost them, they're, they're totally cool with the price. Oh, for sure. And like, for me, you know, there's so much like psychology behind pricing. And there's also so much like little small things that literally can cost you like $10 that can make people be like, okay, I understand why he charged me $2,000, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like for me, like, you know, I basically include for all my wedding films, like a USB delivery for free. I factored mm-hmm. it out. It basically cost me $14. Like I buy the, the USB, I think in wholesale for, I, mm-hmm. I think I get them for like eight bucks per unit when I buy like 50 at a time. Mm-hmm. And then I can send it out. I think USB, USPS's rate right now is like three something. So it co- right. doesn't cost me much, but mm-hmm. it's like, they don't expect it because, you know, it's basically like a little gift for me to them. Exactly. And for me, I kind of also value that experience of like someone like, instead of them just like getting an email that says like, here's your wedding video. I mm-hmm. love like them being like, oh my gosh, we're so excited to like get this little package in the mail. Right. Like, it's like a nice cute little USB with like a bunch of like confetti with it and whatnot. <laughs> and there's like small, like right. little things like that that can help you justify pricing. Absolutely. But the psychology behind it is crazy too. You know, it's like mm-hmm. if you're on a phone with somebody and you're pitching your pricing, you know, there's all a bunch of little tips online. You could see it's like they, there's some people that say like always start off with your most expensive because then it makes like your smaller ones sound cheaper, right. you know, because if you're like, oh, the first package is $3,000, but you can mm-hmm. book this one for 1500 then they're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, that's not nearly as, you know, that's half off. You know, it's like right. they definitely like get some of that like mental mindset. Um, but I think like, like you said, the confidence is, is huge, you know, cause in the right. beginning your boy wasn't confident and me, <laughs> my phone calls, my phone calls would go like this. I'd be like, okay, like how much is like for eight hours? I'd be like, yeah. Um, you know, it's like 800. Is that okay? Like, how do you guys feel about that? You know, <laughs> I, I, like, I love the ubiquitous. Everyone just always goes like 800. Is that good? Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> what are your thoughts on $800? Yeah. Like, right. how are you feeling? Like, is that, that wake you up in the morning? Like, you know, like, it, it's, it's crazy how, how right, like, right. you know, so, so much the confidence plays into it, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. as soon as like, for me, like when I started like saying, okay, mm-hmm. this is my pricing. I may, I like, you know, wrote it up in a way that also looks like presentable too, to like send right. via email or messaging, mm-hmm. you know, I was able to say, okay, this is what you get for this. This is what you get for this. But I think honestly, you should upgrade to like this because right. from what you're saying about your day or about 
the property I'll be filming, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think this would really do it justice, right. you know? And, so it's like, mm-hmm. and I was going to say, adding on top of, you know, just, just to go back a little bit on the whole psychology of, you know, offering the higher price and going lower. I don't, I don't know if you've talked about this in the past on your podcast, but um, one of the things that, that I was taught was, you know, to offer a expensive option, the mid range option, and then a low end option. And Mm -hmm. your goal really is to make your high range option. Like, Hey, listen, like, you know, I'm going to give you all of my attention for this one, but it is going to cost you more. And there's going to be a little bit of that extra premium tax to it. Then your middle one is generally the one that you want people to go for the one you want to drive people towards because Mm -hmm. it offers the the best you've got uh, that you, that you don't have to go above and beyond to deliver that you're confident that you can deliver every time. Then your last one should be a cheaper, but like your minimal viable product, a minimum viable product is just, you know, the thing that you can deliver that you're still happy with, but you try to kind of make it as thin as possible because one, maybe they're, they're on an extreme budget and you're giving them an option like that. But at the same time, mm-hmm. most people don't want that option because they want the bells and whistles, but usually they won't have, maybe they can't justify the top end. So almost always their eyes will go to that middle package option that you give them. So really when you're tailoring like those things, you could, you should pay more attention to, okay, what if, if only the middle one sold, how much do I need that to be? Then base your other two off of that. Yeah. And like, I think that I can't remember who else I heard this from, but they were, they were referencing that same sort of mindset. And they were saying something along the lines of like, if you're booking your top package, like all the time, Mm -hmm. the price like isn't high enough. Right. And then like, if you're booking like your lowest package too much, like either a, maybe like you're a little bit like, I don't know. I say maybe you're including too much in it. Like it should uh-huh, be like yep. just, a, just enough to like get people to be like, okay, like that's, that's like, whatever, like that's cool. And honestly, sometimes like for me, like my lowest package is like a two to five minute film, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. I, I like struggled to keep it under five minutes because you know, like a full wedding day is like, it's right. hard to keep that it's under five it's minutes for stuff, me. Right. Yeah. A lot of footage, but like it's a breath of fresh air sometimes. So like, yeah, you're right. Sometimes I like booking it, but for the majority of the time, like if I'm going to mm-hmm. go out and spend like, especially like a popular Saturday, like a Saturday in November, December, January here in Florida, you're hoping you're booking that medium minimally to that, that high, you know, but like you said, having that cheap option is good for like people on a budget. Right. And it's not to say, you know, you you need to like thin out your bottom uh, tier. It is kind of like the idea of maybe you're not offering enough in your middle tier, whether that's moving some stuff from the bottom tier into the middle tier, or it's just coming Mm -hmm. up with more value proposition in the middle tier to make people be like, oh, actually, I really want that. Yeah, like a good pull through. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it it is definitely, you know, I think that and I what I always tell people, too, is like when they ever ask or something like, you know, like, how are you figuring this stuff out? And it's constantly, constantly changing to, for me, at least like I'm constantly thinking of like, okay, what way could I do this better? Like, what are my analytics saying about my current pricing? Like if I make a small change now, you know, the thing in our industry, sometimes like obviously stuff like graduation sessions or even sometimes even like headshots, because headshots can even be very seasonal too. Like, you know, mm-hmm. college kids are graduating. They're like, right. Career fairs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Career fairs, stuff like that. Um, you know, obviously pricing can be seasonal to that stuff, but like wedding stuff, you know, for us, like you're constantly dealing with bookings and inquiries almost year round, mm-hmm. if not, you know, a more influx of them in like engagement season during like, right. you know, December, mm-hmm. January, February. But like, if you make a change now, a lot of times, like, especially my wedding Saturday business, I'm not seeing that for like six, eight, 10 months. Right. You know? right. So it's like, if you're thinking about changing your pricing right now, 
you almost have to because it's like you're not right. going to see it for 10 months anyways like this past november i think almost like 30 or 40 percent of my weddings like four of them that i had in november were on my old pricing so mm-hmm. like i was going out on like a friday you know for a friday wedding maybe filming for half the price i was making the next day right like obviously that sucks but it's like you know there's mm-hmm. nothing you can do in that moment but mm-hmm. it kind of like helps us move into like what i want to talk about next is like how like how often should someone like in your opinion be raising their pricing and stuff like that i think on a yearly basis is both yeah. a you know it's not too frequent but it's also not too infrequent like early on mm-hmm. in your in your you know photography or videography career you're going to be changing your prices like every other month because yeah, yeah, right, you're, yeah. You're trying to figure that out. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But then afterwards, you know, once you feel like you, you have an established product really just, you know, once a year, because if you're going to be doing this uh, all year round, like you're going to be busy anyways, but once a year, really sit down or maybe even once every half a year, sit down and, you know, review your, uh, your business analytics and figure out how much you've been making. And if you figure out, you know, it, you know, is this where I want to be as a business? You know, if you have expansion goals, if you want to bring on a full-time yeah. or part-time photographer to help, you know, second shoot or anything like that, or mm-hmm. whatever you want, um, you you want to sit down and, and reevaluate. I personally would say like, do it at least once a year if, if, yeah. if and yeah evaluate that yeah for me like mine you know for me i usually shoot for june june always works for me because a it's like the hottest month here in florida so like Mm -hmm. there really isn't a lot of weddings i think i have like one scheduled right now right but it's also like by the time my season ends in like april i'm usually caught up almost with everything as far as Mm -hmm. editing wise goes Mm -hmm. by june so I actually have more time to sit down and work right. on like my, my website and work right. on like other backend stuff. Mm-hmm. And also like, you know, I'm not really getting a crazy amount of inquiries during like the June, July time. Like they really start to pick up during that July, August time. Um, but for me, like it's always been June. In the beginning though, you for sure, 100% agree. I was, yeah. I was changing my stuff every week. People were like, dude, last week you were 50 bucks. <laughs> now you're 150 bucks. Like what's going right. on? But, right. and that's the thing too, like, I found now that since this is my third year technically shooting weddings, the first year I really only did four weddings, Mm -hmm. um, you know, every time I would build a relationship with a vendor and they would either, you know, I'd book with like through them or the venue would like have me and they would ask me what my pricing was or like sometimes like, you know, like now I'm on two vendors list Mm -hmm. was like, if I change my pricing, I have to let them know. So mm-hmm. it's like almost tedious in a way if I'm changing it every other month. Right. You know, and it also makes like you look, I gotta like, mm-hmm. yeah, so I was just saying, and it also makes you look, uh, you know, indecisive in case you have some yeah, like uh, sure. long-term clients who constantly kind of come back to you or just check up on you. Also, you know, your vendors are kind of like confused, like, oh, why are they changing their pricing so much? But also, yeah, like you said, also at the same time, if you're busy year round, you know, it's, it's yeah. nice. It's nicer when you get to that lull where you have time to do some admin stuff. For example, mm-hmm. for you, it's in June, you know, to sit down, spend the time, really dig into your, you know, your finances, finances and yeah. figuring, spending that time there. Yeah. So I think once. And also like what helped me too was I've actually, in a, and this sounds weird, but I've actually started announcing when I'm raising my pricing, not necessarily to like be like the douchebag dude. that's like, yeah, I'm getting more <laughs> expensive, bro. But like, just to make it known, like, yeah. Absolutely. This, this, this upcoming June will be like my second time raising my pricing. Mm-hmm. And I've already like been tweaking my sheet right now. Nothing like serious, but like getting ready for it. Mm-hmm. But I, I post on my Facebook page and I usually will do like Instagram stories. And sometimes like maybe I'll say it in like an actual post that way. Like, you know, maybe people that have liked my page or maybe even mm-hmm. haven't inquired yet, but are peeking at me, 
we'll like see that and maybe we'll also inquire but it's just like it's nice for that to be like a hard date where like this is when like my, my new right. pricing launches like inquire before then for like old pricing yeah but I, and I think and again, f- it can seem salesy, but it's like really come from the heart, not necessarily. From right. Like exactly. Out, you know? I mean, like, you know, everything's a sales pitch at the end of the day. It's really just how, yeah. what you're, how you come off when you say it and also your intentions. And I think setting like a hard, you know, like date is actually beneficial for people because then it's like saying, hey, like just a heads up, instead of just not knowing when I'm going to change my price, you, you know, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to change it on a certain date. And if you want to book something that you've been mm-hmm. thinking about, do it by then because I don't want you to get caught off guard if you've been thinking about it for a month because you wanted like an engagement session. But, you know, by yeah. the time you came to book, it's like, oh, crap, it's, you know, pricing went up. So, yeah. yeah. And again, like it all, you know, and it totally does, you know, build off the quality of the work too. And also like the gear is huge. Like, you know, if you're doing real estate and, you know, you've been shooting everything on a 24 millimeter lens, which isn't really that wide when it comes to like, real estate and you know you're charging you know 100 dollars per hour to shoot a home and then you get a 12 millimeter like the lava one that you reviewed on your channel mm-hmm. and and you know you're instantly being able to kind of charge more because you know you're making these houses look better the quality of your work is better you know right. and obviously as the editing gets better and stuff like that you mm-hmm. can in essence you know charge a little bit more but you know that's one thing that i think that a lot of people oftentimes forget too is that for me, it's like time doesn't always correlate to, you know, what your pricing should be. Like, I know that for me, I was like, oh, like I've only been in the industry for two years. Even if I'm like a standout dude in the industry, I can't be charging what the 15th year dude is. And honestly, I'm here to tell you that I think that's kind of false. Like, you know, there's people that have blown up like overnight, like YouTubers and stuff like that, that have gone from like 1K subs, like millions of subs. Right. Absolutely. Span of times that have taken people forever. So it's like, really, Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's like a factor anymore. Yeah. I think it's just, I think it's, you know, at the end of the day also photography and videography, one of the things about it is, is it's not just your normal services business, right? You can't just go to any, like, for example, like any plumbing store uh, or hire any plumber because any plumber could fix your toilet. But if you want a specific look uh, for your wedding film, right? Something that you only get Mm -hmm. to experience once. um, It, I don't, I don't want to sound like, like, you know, like that, like a condescending douchebag, like, oh, it's art. But to a a degree, there, there is some artistry in there and every photographer will be unique. And so I I think it's fair. I think it's fair if if somebody's blowing up and they're getting very popular and demands really high and they want to take on less jobs, but put more quality in there um, or up their prices. I think that's fair. Yeah. And that's a good point too. It's like, you know, it's all based on you know, coming back to, like you said, how many, how much do you want to make in a year? And then how many do you want to book? Mm-hmm. But also coming back to like, how do you want to work? Like, yeah, I know mm-hmm. that there's some photographers that they outsource their editing that a guy they've been using for years and they know exactly how mm-hmm. they want their pictures to look. So they have the ability, like I follow, I don't know if you ever heard of like Taylor Jackson, really good mm-hmm. wedding photographer mm-hmm. in Canada. And he shoots like 60 weddings a year. And for some photographers, they're like, what? But right. he outsources everything, you know, so he's, he's able to do that. And his mindset's like, I want to shoot more. Like, I, I love shooting. That's what so he likes to like, do, right. Yeah, so he's cool with his pricing being what it is so he can shoot 60 weddings a year, you know, because there's always that constant battle of like, if I shoot 30 weddings at $1,000 and make 30 grand, but I could also be doing 15 weddings at $1,500 and be making the same money, but for less work. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to find that fine line. Um, but one really good reason I'm like, I'm having you on the podcast and I love about it. Like you have kind of like a different insight with like, obviously your accountant background about, 
you know, some of the things that I think that a lot of creatives and, you know, photography mm-hmm. businesses aren't really thinking about, like the overhead, the travel and all that stuff. Like, how do you kind of take on some of those things? Like when it comes to like the, the back end stuff? Right. So I mean, I, I think it's nice to come in from, I think, and that's why uh, for those who don't know, I, you know, um, majored in accounting in high school and I'm, I mean, in college, and uh, I'm currently a uh, work in a public accounting firm. Um, so I have a bit of that, you know, financial background and accounting mm-hmm. background. And one of the things I learned very early on is you have to factor in the cost of your time that you spend editing, the time that you spend driving, um, the time that you just spend, you know, researching your craft, practicing your craft, that all goes into the final product. There was actually, um, this is a a tangential story, but um, there was a, I think it was Da Vinci who was like in a, a coffee shop and he just randomly, literally scribbled, I believe, a dick on, I'm sorry, I don't know if this is a family-friendly <laughs> no, podcast, good, I apologize. Okay. <laughs> um, but he, he scribbled that on, on a uh, napkin and some lady came up and was like, oh my God, can I, can I have that? And he goes, yeah, that'll be, you know, 30 grand. And she goes, what? You just scribbled that in like 10 seconds. And he goes, yeah, but it also took 50 years for me to get to this like level of notoriety and craftsmanship. And oh you know, that's God, obviously, hilarious. A, it's hilarious, right? And it's obviously a very like out there example. But at the end of the day, you know, like the reason why companies are worth a lot of money is because, you know, even for like products that you're like, oh, why is that product so expensive? Let's say Apple, for example. It's because mm-hmm. there's a lot of R&D costs, like research and development. Oh, yeah. And in the same- And the branding. Right. And, you know, the, all that, all of that has to be factored into your pricing. How much do you spend on advertising, right? It's really easy to be like, I'm going to just throw $200 or- let's say you're a really big, you know, photography company and you're like, oh, let me just throw a few grand or a few tens of thousands of dollars into advertising. That has to come out of somewhere. That's not just some expense that just happens in its own bubble that needs to be factored into the price of your packages. So at the end of the day, when you break down how to price your packages or your hourly rate, you got to look at um, how much does your overhead cost, things like advertising, things like quote, quote unquote, office supplies, right? How much Mm. does your computer cost? How much does your gas cost? Um, All of these things factor in on top of the fact that how soon do you want to actually make a return on the investment on your camera gear? It's so easy. And and I think a lot of us photographers do this. I personally love photography gear just as much as I love photography as an art. Um, And Mm, I want to buy every new piece of tech that comes out. I just (laughs) love it, right? Like I just have, I just love playing with new toys. Learning about it, yeah. And the worst thing that we all do is we go, oh, it's an investment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, you know, in our minds, we're like, oh, it'll pay itself back. You know, like, oh, this lens is $450 I'm looking on eBay right now. Um, You know, I'm just going to shoot one wedding and half of it just go to this lens. But like, that's that's not a sustainable way to look at, you know, like how to buy things. So you have to factor in how fast do I want to repay back the gear I buy. You factor that yeah. into your cost as well. Let's say this $450 lens, every shoot I do, I want to repay back $50 back to that. So in what, nine shoots, I'll pay this lens off. So you factor yeah. your costs. And then finally, the last bottom line item, right? Because this should be the thing you think about the last in your, in, in your equation here on how to get to your pricing is how much do you want to be paid hourly? Whether that's uh, minimum wage and you're cool with that just enough to get by because you just love doing this so much or mm-hmm. if that's, yeah. hey i want to be yeah right i want to do this and i want to be lucrative i want to live in a big house i want to retire by 30 and i want to make a hundred an hour that hundred an hour has to be factored in the very bottom 
right? After you factor in your overhead costs, after you factor in your equipment costs, then you plug that $100 at the bottom. You don't just charge somebody $100 an hour uh, at the top level. You're not level. actually going to make that. You're not yeah. actually, right, exactly. You have all these other things that you, you know, that you just kind of throw into the back, like, oh yeah, I'll repay the gear later. And then you have a credit yeah, card. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, and you know, it's like crazy because it's like, there's so, I think there's so many little things that like people aren't doing, like how you said, properly breaking it down like that. Because, you know, for me, I know exactly if I book a, just shooting numbers here, if I book a wedding for $1,000, I know exactly how much money is like actually going to be hitting my account that mm-hmm. I can use as income, as marketing mm-hmm. dollars, as whatever. Because, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I know if they're going to pay with a credit card online, I'm going to get the, the three point whatever convenience <laughs> fee taken out. Yep. If they are, you know, if I'm sending that USB drive, okay, minus X dollars. Right. You know, if I'm, you know, some, like I do, like if they book six months in advance, I send them like a little restaurant gift card at like a, a week out or, or two weeks mm-hmm. out or something like congrats on planning. Oh, you know, I do. minus that out. Yeah. Like little small things, mm-hmm. but like I minus things out that I know. And obviously the biggest one here being the taxes. I think that a lot of times right. people, Huge. you know, aren't, you know, either in the beginning, the first few years, like whatever, you're probably not going to, you know, you know, pay your taxes. Right. I mean, I hate to say that on the podcast like this, but I think a lot of people in the beginning, especially, you know, some of our competitors when it comes to like graduation sessions where it's like, like you said, an art studio. Yeah. And I mean, camera. at the end of the day, right. They're, they're booking such little volume that it's kind yeah. of inconsequential. Like what if they made a thousand in a year? Cause they book like, I don't know, a hundred or 50 grad shoots in a whole year. Yeah. And, you know, let's say they made a grand maybe they made two grand. Like at the end of the day, that's, that's not enough money for the IRS. Exactly. To care about. That's not tax advice for me, just saying, but yeah, right. um, there's bigger fish to fry in the ocean. And, and a lot of people also, they don't know, they don't know how to file their own oh, taxes sure. you know, as a, yeah. as a business. Um, oh yeah. Like I was confused by, by it to begin with too. And like I had, and like, it's annoying, obviously again, you know, I mean, you have talked about before, like all the small things you've had mm-hmm. to learn you know, all the hats you've had to wear to run this business. Mm-hmm. And one of them being this whole pricing thing, like understanding, cause you know, there's an industry standard when it comes to corporate stuff for like a lot of things. Like it seems like to me nowadays, every like entry, entry level starting job is like 35 grand a year. You know what I mean? Like, right. or like minimum wage, you know, but like what you're getting with that is obviously you're not getting benefits, you know, a lot or with, mm-hmm. with our business, like photography wise, you know, right. we're not getting benefits unless you pay right. for that stuff mm-hmm. you have to factor into your pricing. And it's crazy that a lot of times people don't, you know, remember these to think of these things right. and also just kind of like put them on the back burner to later, like, you know, and then they're like screwed at the end. Cause they're like, wait, I got to pay two grand in taxes. And I've been <laughs> 1099 on all this stuff. Right. Like, oh my God. Right, exactly. Like, exactly. Forget about all those things and whatnot. But how do you see yourself like to like close out here? Like, how do you see yourself like changing your pricing in the future? Do you, do you kind of want to keep on going up? Are you comfortable with where you're at? Like, where do you see yourself growing from now? I think, I think I've gotten to the point where I'm, cause I'm personally moving towards more of, you know, project-based pricing just because I'm kind mm-hmm. of slowly moving away from package-based pricing, um, except for mm-hmm. a few things here and there. I think for me, there's a still a little bit more room I want to push and grow. Um, I think that there's still room to improve in terms of how much I make hourly at the end of the day that I feel like I want yeah. to be a little bit higher up to be happy for myself. Um, but also at the same time, I also need to push it up out of necessity because I'm, I'm still really bad about factoring in things that, you know, that at the end of the day, it's, it's really something that the client should be paying for because it's part of the value they're receiving. And, you know, I think I'm still currently undercharging, but that's all a part mm-hmm. of the pricing journey. Honestly, that's all. Oh, a part yeah. of, it is a journey. That's so well right. put. 
yeah, and at the so, beginning, so yeah, at the beginning, you learn so much so fast, and you really make big strides and big leaps and changing your pricing closer to what you should be charging. And that's the problem: is there is no right answer. That target's always moving, and you might at some point adjust to be too expensive, and then you kind of adjust back down. But you're like, ah, mm-hmm. you know, I could push a little bit more. So you'll always be learning. The market's always changing. Um, I think I'm yeah. still have room to grow. I think I still have more skills to learn. Oh yeah. And with that sure. comes a higher pricing. Yeah. So yeah. I definitely think I'm still be moving it, the needle kind of further forward. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, before we hop off here, I want to like definitely give you the opportunity to kind of tell the people like where they can follow you more. Like, I mean, are you, I know you're on YouTube guys, definitely check the show <laughs> note link below and uh, check out some of David's videos. Like I was just telling him last week, I hired David to come out and, and second shoot a wedding with me. And his, I was telling him like, if I start posting consistently, I was like, I want my quality to be like David's <laughs> David's YouTube video quality is top notch guys. Like every time you watch a video, it's like so much information and like logical points that he's making on like either like things you should be doing editing wise and like also like product wise and reviews and stuff like that. Like 20, like 20 are mostly going to be focusing on like, I know growing your YouTube channel and stuff Mm -hmm. like what type of Mm -hmm. content are you going to be pushing out on there? Wow, rolling out the red carpet, Jonathan. Thank you I know, so right? much. <laughs> yeah, so uh, for places to find me, honestly, I'm just mostly active on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, Twitter, not so much. Instagram, man, it's, I've just been really bad about it. But I'm put, I'm getting back on it. But if you want to find me on those two places, it's at the Great Zhao. So it's the Great Z H O U Zulu Hector Oscar Utah. I've had to repeat that a lot of times <laughs> on the phone when I'm on uh, customer service calls and stuff like that. Yeah, right. Um, but on YouTube, yeah, if you just look up my name, David Zhao, and I make a uh, camera tech review. I talk about filmmaking uh, tutorials. I talk about how to edit. I talk about how to do photography. And I just really, I love photography and I love, um, you know, technology. I love building mm-hmm. my computer. I love tinkering with, with cameras, with color grading, everything. So anything under the sun, if it's related to photography, it's kind of going to be on my channel. This year, I'm really focusing a lot of uh, product reviews just because, again, I love playing with new toys. And if I can convince yeah. companies to send me some toys to review and then give away to my subscribers, I'd be absolutely thrilled to. And that's another thing I really want to do is I just like in my photography uh, business, as everyone should be striving for is to deliver value and, uh, you know, to deliver solid value to your clients just with that mentality, just like that mentality for my YouTube channel, I want to deliver valuable knowledge. And I also, whenever I can, as often as I can, I'd love to send out free stuff as giveaways and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I forewarn you guys here. Um, if you are looking at your account right now and you have about a hundred bucks, I would say like definitely save up a few extra dollars before you watch David's videos because they definitely will get you in the purchasing mindset. Cause like a lot of the stuff you review, I think I, I fall in love with like your 24 G master video. Like it's been in my shopping cart, like ever since I've watched your video. And like, <laughs> as soon as I'm able to put enough money aside from each gig and get that thing, I'm so pumped about it. Like, we, me and David geek about gear all the time. All the whenever time. I watch his all videos, I like, I'm like always like, damn, I need to add this now. I'm like, damn, I need to add this now to the, to the gear list on Amazon. But yeah. it's definitely crazy. I'm excited to see what your YouTube channel kind of does in 2020. And we'd definitely have to get together for like a collab on one. Dude, definitely. Absolutely. For sure. For sure. Well, thank you so much, David, for hopping on today. I, I know that uh, pricing isn't always the most attractive topic to talk about, <laughs> but I think we definitely dove into it and gave some really good information. I think that uh, all you listeners can kind of take away from the podcast will be very beneficial in uh, the growth of the businesses and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. All right, bro. Well, I will talk to you soon. I'll definitely have to have you on the podcast again. Awesome. Sure. Yeah. Thank you again for having me on Jonathan. 
No problem, bro. Talk later. See ya.